podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from the field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club and more besides. So let's begin once again. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. I hope you're well. I am, my friend, and apparently we have... Um, extra sets of ears wrapping themselves around um, whatever uh, insight you come up with uh, all the way through the show. Um, a welcome to anybody who's listening to the show for the first time. I'm delighted to make your acquaintance. And if you like it, and no doubt you will after hearing Jan, please do speak to your friends, family, acquaintances, workmates, and, you know, just jump up on top of a building and shout about the, the, the show because we'd like to get it now that we can into as many ear holes as possible. So that's just that. And by the way, also a an ongoing thanks to subscribers to the channel um, who keep the lights on. We would be lost without you. We hope that number will grow, actually, instead of decline. Um, but just for the record, it is also, like I said, now a free show, so people can get their ears around it. Um, and hopefully many, 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 many of them will. That's enough of the preamble, because God knows we have enough stuff to talk about, Jan. It's hard to know where to start, but I suppose we'll talk with the mo- talk about the most contemporary issue, which is our two main men, um, who went uh, their their various ways in terms of the competition uh, uh, called the Afcon and led their countries to the final, uh, faced off against each other. It went to the death, um, went to penalties. Uh, we saw the character of both men all the way through the tournament. Um, to me, the little bits I saw, it looked like Mo Salah was sort of leading uh, the team, almost like dragging it through. I didn't see a huge amount of extra talent around him um, to that final. Uh, and yes, I feel a massive degree of sympathy for him. But I'll tell you what I thought, Jan, and maybe you can, you'll, you'll tell me this is very one-eyed and very Liverpool supporter of me. But obviously, I'm delighted for Sadio Mane. I think he he, he deserves that kind of accolade. Um, it's a tremendous achievement for him for Senegal. But I'm loving the fact that Mo Salah is going to come back. You know, maybe a bit bent out of shape and very very hungry for trophies and silverware this year for Liverpool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's. You know, he's had an exceptional season already and we're doing this podcast on, on Monday night and, you know, the story is that he's due back in training on, on Tuesday. He'll be ready to go. I mean, people have started to discuss already whether he'll be available for the game on Thursday against Leicester. Absolutely no doubt. You know, the man's a machine and he, he will be, be available. Uh, in terms of the tournament, the AFCON, well, I agree with your assessment. 
uh, Egypt weren't particularly fancied prior to the tournament. And I didn't think they played an awful lot of good football, but they were they were fit, well organised, didn't concede a lot of goals, and then the final apart, uh, they were very good at taking penalties, and, and that got them to the final. Whereas Senegal had a had a lot more ability in, the, in in their team and probably deserved to to win the final inside ninety minutes if there's any such thing as deserve. Uh, and you mentioned Sadio Mane, they had missed a penalty in normal time. And you thought, well, here he goes, and up he pops with a winning goal. You could see what it means to them. I think sometimes, you know, because it's not what you're part of it. I mean, you, you know, we can only play in, in, in the European Championships and the World Cups and whatever. And, and you obviously view those two tournaments differently because it's part of what you can be part of, isn't it? But we should never underestimate what it means to those people. I think we saw that out there. So how was the tournament overall? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of teams that don't have the quality that we see in, in South American and, and, and European teams, isn't it? But it's a tournament that's going. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's 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 developing, um, and more to the point, it's it's about as you say what it means to the individuals involved um, to win the trophy that represents your continent is massive and. I saw people getting a little bit bent out of shape about Sadio Mane talking about how that was the trophy that meant most to him in the world. I'm, I'm sometimes I'm at a loss to understand people because, I mean, there are very few more powerful things than the feeling of patriotism, especially. And you'll be able to relate to this, uh, Jan, as, as a as a Danish international of standing. I mean, when you're away in a group, and I'm thinking now maybe you might be able to feed into your 86 World Cup experience. When you're away in a group with your countrymen and you see the reports and you see the response to what you're doing back home, um, I mean, that must be, that must whip up inside you a real sort of national pride. And, 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 you know, that's a very powerful feeling that I think sometimes people forget. Why shouldn't he feel? that that's the most important trophy. I mean, it's his country and it's probably less likely um, than, than Liverpool winning a thing. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss to understand people being being a little bit upset about that. And, um, you know, like I say, uh, if, if you, you're, you're going to be able to talk to us a little bit about that idea of, of, of national pride and sadly is entitled to it, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I find it difficult why people find that uh, it's so difficult to understand. Uh, I, I understand that you know the meaning of other things, isn't it? But when you think that if 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 you play for Liverpool and you win the Champions League, there will only be seventy percent of people in the city of Liverpool who will congratulate you because the other thirty percent don't like you, and that's Everton fans. Whereas when you play for your country, it will start off with a you'll be supported. Prior to the tournament, by probably 75% of any population in any country. And then the longer the tournament goes, and as you get closer and closer to maybe winning the tournament, you know, I would say Denmark in 84, 86, and 92, we'd have been close to almost everybody being involved in the football tournament. We're no different in, in, in Senegal uh, over the last uh, few weeks or so. Isn't it? So I find it amazing that people have to, to try and judge playing for your country against trying to play uh, for your club. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to win it with a few trophies throughout my career, but, but I don't rank them in, in, in any way. I enjoyed every one of them in their own little uh, uh, special way. I wonder, you know, and again, just to harken back to your national team days, I mean, 
I wonder it does it vary from country to country and that the extremity of that. I mean, all I can think of is the early days with Irish teams. So we started with our first breakthrough um, qualification in 88 and then there was Italian, that was Euro 88 and that was a really interesting and very small tournament. And then there was uh, Italian 90 and we had USA 94. And these are incredible things. Obviously there were more, more after that. Um, but that little run, um, really established, uh, you know, football in the, in the, you know, as they call it here, as they used to call it here with their, uh, regional accents, soccer. Um, it established it. Um, in the psyche of the nation and really people started to identify with the national football team in a way that they hadn't before. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, were you aware of that type of thing building, say, with that wonderful group of players you were part of in the 86 World Cup? I mean, were you, were you, obviously it's, di- it's different levels of media saturation, but at the same time, you must have been aware and getting feedback of how well it was going over at home. Yeah. I mean, Danes, I guess a bit like Irish, are very good at being Danish. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we have if we have any kind of success, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter what sport it is, even the Eurovision Song Contest, we, we do well and everybody just jumps on the bandwagon. But I think there's a certain amount of charm uh, to that because, you know, sometimes, and you had to wait till 88 for your first qualifications, we had to wait till 84. Uh, smaller nations, we, 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 we have to enjoy what, what we get. So in those days, which was incredible, Trevor, we used to get the, the, the papers faxed to us. So they would simply fax the pages of the newspaper and it come through on the fax machine in the hotels we were staying in, whether that was 84, 86, and then we would pass them around the rooms and you would just have like 30, 40 pieces of paper, which would be all the papers and uh, all the pages in the papers and back home and then and you'd be reading it. It's incredible. Whereas today obviously you, you have the, the, the news as quick as, as as it comes out because of social media, isn't it? But yeah. Uh, we but that was as far as it got for us and we could never quite get the feeling of, of how intense and, and, and how amazing it was. And it wasn't until we, we, we came back home and you speak to people and you know from from the town I was in, I said what was it like? They said, Well we were out you know, we had a massive big screens meeting in the squares, six, seven, eight thousand people watching. People have never experienced that before. Because when I grew up in the seventies, I used to watch European Championships and the World Cup. But but it was not something we could ever take back. Denmark can't play in this. For starters, we've never had professional football, so we're never gonna go there. And in eighty four when we got there, everybody thought, Yeah, but you know, we've got to be careful here now because now we're playing with the big boys, isn't it? But by that time, a bit like Ireland, you know, we burst onto the scene, which in fairness you did as well, isn't it? And it was it was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, very exciting. I, I completely get what you're saying about, you know, being good at being Danish and, and jumping on bandwagons. Are we over here, I mean, maybe it's Katie Taylor, we're all suddenly boxing fans, and maybe it's uh, a few lads who are pretty good in kayaks. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, any kind of success for the nation, we're all over it. And I think that's the way it should be. And I love that part, I have to say, um, of all the AFCON scenes was to see the joy. Uh, and the celebrations and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if I, I don't think anyone on earth could, uh, you know, begrudge a, a man like Sadio Mane as much joy as he had coming to him. It's, 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 um, he's just, he's just such a decent lad. And I mean, honestly, at a stretch, it wouldn't even surprise me to see him on the bench on, on Thursday as well. And that's the kind of fellow you're dealing with here. Um, but very enthused. Um, for um, the the slightly bent out of shape version of Mo Salah coming back, I have to say, and we'll talk about 
the Leicester game and the games to come, of course, uh, in the um, in the moments to come during the show. But we can't move forward without reflecting on something um, that happened very, very recently as well in the most recent Reds outing, which was, you know, progress in the cup, but also the beautiful sight of a double substitution um, featuring Luis Diaz and Harvey Elliott and the impact both men had um, on the game afterwards. And, you know, <laughs> you have to use the word uh, man very, very uh, loosely with Harvey Elliott, who's still a kid. And we heard all about what his injury did to Jurgen Klopp and about how Harvey himself was the one who told him to pick his chin up and it'll all be fine. And it was lovely fairy tale stuff to see what he did when he came into that game. So let's look at a few aspects of that. We'll start with this kid. Um, and I'm very wary. I, I don't want to do the whole, you know, um, knee jerk thing, but at the same time, you have to give credit where it's due. And it's not bigging the fella up to say that the impact that he had when he came on, considering he'd been away for so long, the impact that he had at the start of the season, um, they were comparable. You had a fella really confident, looking to get on the ball, showing for possession, um, having ideas and options when it comes to passes and runs, driving at opponents really ready to take a shot on as well in a way that um, was effective, unlike, God love him, but Curtis Jones' shooting on the, on, on the, on the weekend was, was pretty wagging. Um, it's just, uh, uh, what, what can you say, uh, Jan, except to say that it's tremendously exciting to think about what Harvey Elliott could bring to, to this team. Do you expect him to feature very regularly now? assuming a robustness in his fitness, would you expect him to feature very regularly between now and the end of the campaign? I mean, the first thing I want to say, just to echo what you said, what is wrong with Curtis Jones in Nappy Cater's shooting? I, oh. oh. What about? I just, I just don't, I mean, you, yeah, if the one in the first half he puts over the bar and everybody goes, but I think that's a difficult chance because there's so many people uh, in, in front of his and, and and it has to be absolutely precise, isn't it? But I thought some of the shooting, anyway, Harvey Elliott, uh, I do believe there was a lot of stories at the time back in the summer that one of the reasons Liverpool were a little bit reluctant to, to, to buy a midfield player is because they wanted to give Harvey Elliott a chance and now we can see why. Uh, and I think the most impressive thing is how he played at the start of the season uh, was okay. Uh, he obviously got himself really, really fit through pre-season and he got himself into a rhythm of playing. But, but the way he played coming back after almost five months out injured. I know he had an under-23 games. Uh, but I think that tells more of the guy because he was just so self-assured, wasn't he, when he came on. Uh, I don't know whether this this comparison... I mean, let's not forget that he went to Blackburn and Moe last year and he played as a, as a Mo Salah type, uh, wide right uh, attacker. Uh, but club always wanted to have a, as a centre midfield player. But I just thought that I don't know, he just in many ways reminds me a little bit of, of David Silva who used to play for, for Manchester City and I remember when he was coming up to the end of his career I said we'll miss this, this boy because we might never see the likes again but Harvey Ellis got very similar to what he had uh, and he just came on, yes it was a gift to come on uh, the way that the game was going it, 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 you know, it was one-way traffic uh, we were attacking the cop end uh, and he was trying out for somebody to come and lift the business, but for an 80 year old to come on and do that. And then, of course, and I wasn't aware of this when he scored his goal, that was his first senior goal for Liverpool. So, yeah, all in all, will he feature? 
absolutely no danger. Because I think when you look, you know, Thiago injuries, whatever, but we've obviously got Fabinho. And then I think almost we're unsure about everybody else who goes with Fabinho in that centre midfield, isn't it? So I think quicker than normal. I think he'll be right in there. And also with the games that we come in, we got coming up, or quite a few games coming up now before the international break uh, at the end of March. So, yeah, I think he's absolutely bang straight back into it. And, and, he, and he will feature. He'll start the game uh, within the next couple of, of games we've got. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever. I can imagine all the various... Um... <laughs> All the various agenda boys with their factions and their favourites um, just licking their lips now because you're looking at a situation, um, realistically speaking, where, as you said, Fabinho has to start every game that he's available to start. That's just, of course, you're going to do that. He's a world-class footballer, um, one of the best, if not the best in this position. Um, if Thiago's playing at the height of his powers, very hard to argue against Thiago being in the team, I think, even, and I think Klopp would agree. That leaves one place up for grabs, you know, uh, and that's going to be very, very interesting. Like you said, there's a lot of people vying for that one spot. Um, and that, of course, is on the, on the very, uh, you know, possibly dubious, uh, potential of, of, of Thiago staying fit for the rest of the season. But look, if, if it's nothing else, it's a tremendous option. And speaking of tremendous options, the other man who came onto the field at the same time was the debut boy, Luis Diaz. And, you know, I had gone full circle from being tremendously excited to being a little bit wary and a bit cautious, um, about some of the stuff I was seeing, which was, Looking at Mo Salah's uh, output pre-Liverpool uh, at Roma, and a lot of people, and you know, people who write well about the game and think about the game pretty deeply, and, and, and like to like to lean into statistics, talking about how well maybe in Luis Diaz we have uh, the, the the obvious replacement for Mo Salah should he decide to move on or should the contract thing not work out or whatever it was, and. That made me feel uneasy because I think that's a huge burden to place on only one kid's shoulders. But, you know, I'll tell you, it was very, very encouraging what we saw of him as well. Obviously, we had the scare with the, with the injury. Thankfully, he's a, he's a tough kid and it was just a, a pain barrier thing, um, that he had to get over. But I was very, very enthused by what I saw from him. Really tidy feet, uh, very direct. Um, that lovely bit of scrap and determination as well in closing down, that's going to fit right into what we want from fellas across the front line there, isn't it? That's really, it's the, it's the clock blueprint, work rate, ability to get your foot in, ability then to turn these, you know, split second opportunities into real chances to score for, for, for teammates, which he did. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously a South American Colombian and, it's 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 where he likes to play sign his players from Rafa but he's, he he just loves the sort of mentality of of the, of the South Americans and and you can see that the, the boys obviously got endless talent uh, but he's also a, a, a tough kid uh, which I guess in his in his growing up he wouldn't have had a great deal of choice but to be a tough uh, kid luckily for us Trevor we don't have to spend an awful lot of time building him up because I think everybody else has done that yeah and, you know there's been so many clips of what he'd done playing for Porto and if you're in any doubt you just need to see the goal in the Champions League against Manchester City so it's all there for you isn't it uh, what the boy now has to do is to, to, to take his form from 
Portuguese need to, to the Premier League. And, and that sometimes can take a bit of time. But if, 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 if you want a manager who's adapt at things like that, uh, bringing in players and then giving them a time before the set and being under no pressure, because all of a sudden, a month ago, we're talking about the boys going away for the AFCON and, and, and we're a bit short with the injuries to, to uh, Di Logorigi and, 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 and who else was our injuries. All of a sudden, now to look in at five for the front three. So all of a sudden, we, 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 we got a bit of a luxury problem, isn't it? Uh, so Klopp, but, but see, it depends, doesn't it? Because Klopp will get an idea it, it, just in training because the training is very demanding, very tough. Uh, but what I like about the boy, and I said this when we signed him, is that it looks like we've signed yet another player who can handle things at, at, at a high tempo. And I think that's the most important thing. Sometimes you get players, and a lot of these players, you know, they, they say sort of come from maybe the Dutch league or whatever, and then all of a sudden the next thing they struggle. Donny van der Beek maybe being an example going to Manchester United. But, 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 but this kid just looks like another player that can handle things at the temple that we do things at, let's not forget, you know what I mean? We're, we're maxed. We're maxed right up when, when we press the tempo, uh, in, in, in any games. But he looks like it's more than capable. So, yeah, it, it looks unbelievably exciting. And of course, it's, it's four or five months earlier than what we thought, uh, because I don't think Liverpool had any plans of signing them in, in January until Spurs, uh, showed an interest. And then Liverpool had agreed that they did with Paul, so they should keep them informed and bang. And it was done overnight. And again, no, no, no doubt. And, you know, so it is. It is very, very exciting, isn't it? You can almost, you can almost sense that there's a, there's a little bit of a change over here of, 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 of a new generation coming. I know it's not quite there, but when you're looking at Fabio Cavallio from Fulham potentially being the next one, and Jude Bellingham still being linked or whatever, you think, wow! All of a sudden, you know, we should be okay for the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I had flashbacks to, you know, um, your time, uh, in the squad, um, under Kenny and the excitement of bringing in, um, all those new boys at that time around about 87. Um, and I also remember little sort of one-off signings who came in and did a job. And I saw one during the week, and it, it's lovely to see a lad, you know, a small amount of appearances for the club, but it obviously had a massive impact in him, on him. And I just thought I'd bring him up to, to see if you remember them, because I saw David Speedy speaking very, very fondly of his little uh, era uh, at the club. Um, and I do remember that being one of those, well, that lad looks good every week for Coventry and you can see what he does and I can absolutely see the sense of bringing him in. And I think, you know, what it reminded me of was, do you remember when Kenny was in charge for the second time and then he went and tried to get um, Charlie What's-His-Face from, from Wolves? Oh, my God, what's it? The penalty boy, the Scottish lad. Uh, my God, I'm just having a, a, a blank. The lad whose penalty is still rising. Um, Charlie Yeah. Uh, and it, there was something about it that I think Kenny thought, right, this seems to be a fit. Let's do it. Unfortunately, by the time um, football had rolled around to 2012, things had changed. What were your memories of David Speedy for the older listeners amongst us who, who remember that? So, you know, he, he only had a brief career at Liverpool. Uh, off the top of my head, I think he played. I think he played 12 games. and might have scored in. Might have scored six goals. I think it was something like that. Yeah. He, he does have an exceptional. Uh, record, uh, obviously, prior to him joining Liverpool, 
all we'd ever done was play against him. And he was a he was a tough man. He was a tough uh, competitor. And I think Kenny thought, let's bring a bit of fire in, you know, because that's what speed he brings. Bring a bit of fire and see what it takes. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't last very long, but we still see David Speedy out and about. And I always, I always find it amazing that, you know, he, he sort of classes himself as a Liverpool legend. You know? <laughs> he does. He did. But you know, Trevor, fair dues to him. He scored at Old Trafford and he scored twice at Anfield. Uh, against Everton, beat them 3-1. I scored the other goal, and I actually think that my shot hit Speedy's heel and went in. And I think in today's football, David Speedy probably would have been given a hat-trick. So he sees himself as more of a Liverpool legend than a, than a, than a Chelsea or Coventry or whatever else he played for. So it didn't quite work out, but, but he, you can't take that away from him. That's what I wanted to say. You can't take that away from him, Trevor. He absolutely loved that relatively short spell he had at Liverpool, which some people clearly would say was not very successful. But I think Speedy, deep down inside, would disagree. He'll go, what more can I do? Gave me 12 games. I scored six goals. Everton, Man United, you know. So I guess he's, he's, his little spell there, his record, is good enough to stand on his own two feet. Yeah, that's it. It was, it was, it was the pride that he seemed to have just by association with the club that I like to have to say. And, you know, there is a knock-on effect of Luis Diaz arriving at the club that I'm just seeing here. And you can tell me if I'm talking nonsense, but as I look here, there's a squad of 25 players in the A-list uh, in the Champions League now. So, obviously, Luis Diaz gets added in there. And the squad now has Alisson, Adrian, Kelleher, Van Dijk, Konate, Gomez, Simicus, Robertson, Matip, Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho, Thiago, Milner, Keita, Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Elliot, Firmino, Mane, Salah, Minamino, Jota, Diaz, and Ricky. And that means there is no room in that Champions League squad for Curtis Jones, who we spoke about. And that's, I would imagine, quite a kick in the face for Curtis. Yeah, but you does, know? does he not fall into, born after the 1st of January 2000? 2000, uh, or maybe 2002 or whatever it is, and, and then you, 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 you're you like a young player. Does he not fall into that trap? Maybe, because there's also a B-list, and yeah. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, and you can see the B-list has list. all, yeah, he has all the young kids like Billy Comedio yeah. and Dixon Bonner and all those. So perhaps that's where... I, uh, I, I'm not 100% sure about that, Trevor. Uh, I'm not myself, I'm not myself, but I, I can see this B-list and it does have all our good young kids on, Tyra Morton's on there as well, and Oakley Cannoneer and all these guys who are up and coming. But again, just the fact that he's not, I, I don't know, again, maybe I'll need to look into into the technicalities of it. But yeah, um, If he's not on the B-list, maybe he has missed out. Well, he is there. He is in that B list. Oh, is he? Um, he oh. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see Joe. He's it's Cometio Jones, Dixon Bonner, Beck, uh, and Tyler Morton. Lots of others. Waltman. Lots of others. Bradley. So, I mean, look, it, 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 I suppose just the optics of it more than anything else. But maybe if it if it is as you say something, to, but you see, Harvey Elliott's in there, you know. So I don't know if it's. it's I, I really don't understand what's going on there. It would just it would appear on the face of it to be a devotion, and maybe maybe I need to look into it a bit further. See, but, uh, let's let the listeners don't think we should have done our homework, 
how yeah do our homework what do we what do we look like uh we, we are not uh, in case you are new to the show we are not inclined to be firing statistics at you we do like them when we have them to work with um but we're not going to be this is not that's not, we're not that show if, if that's the show you're looking for you've uh, you've missed your boat uh chief um in in terms of moving a little bit sideways as well just to wrap up the whole fa cup progress thing um you know, we have to say that the weight was really going to fall on one man's shoulders when uh, Mo and Sadio went off to the AFCON. And more so because the other man who was sh- supposed to share that burden, um, the aforementioned Divock Origi there, who's just going to be back in time, it appears, for uh, them to be back, um, was AWOL. Um, um, and again, very vague. The club is very vague about injuries and stuff like that these days. We don't really know what was up with Divock. Um, but anyway, out, um, not available. So it was Diogo Jota who was going to have to take that square on. And you'd have to say, yeah, his January and beginning of February. I mean, regardless maybe of overall 90 minute performance level, people are going to pick holes, this, that, and the other, but he's getting the goals that we need and, Jesus, that's incredible. I heard people initially comparing him when they saw him and what he was doing, and I thought it was a bit fanciful. They were saying, you know what, this lad reminds me a bit of Rushy. Or, you know what, this lad reminds me a bit of Robbie Fowler. And listen, you know, I, I'm always very wary of making that kind of comparison. But if you're talking about a lad being in the right place at the right time, and now a guy who up top has incredible heading ability, I mean, really excellent technical heading ability. Um, you know, he's taken a lot of boxes, Jan. So, th- there is players who need to play well for 90 minutes for people to come away with the impression that they played well. And then you've got people like Schotter, who very rarely plays well for 90 minutes. He isn't that type of a player. He's like an explosive moment player. He's bang, something happens, and you can guarantee yourself that Schotter was involved in this. And it was the same against, against Cardiff. I mean, that's one hell of a head of that. And again, it's to do with two things, isn't it? First, positioning, uh, and then the, the, the second, the timing of when to jump, isn't it? Because, you know, if, if you jump at, the, jump at the wrong time and you've got to head the ball, you get it all wrong, isn't it? So it, it, it is just incredible, Trevor. Uh, but he just looks like somebody who never gets too carried away either way. He's never too down. He's never too carried away in terms of what he's achieving. He always looks like he's after more. Uh, and it's very good. I understand it in the game moments. No, no, we're still playing. I need to more, more, more. I, I, on a, as I said before, you know, I didn't see it at Wolves. Not many people did. And I wasn't shell-shocked uh, when, when we signed him, but I was surprised. But I'm no longer. He is just, he's just one incredible player. We said it last time, isn't it? It's so difficult to, to actually pinpoint what it is that he brings. He brings a little bit of everything, isn't it? But yeah, if you feel like that, Fowler was probably compared more to, to a rusty type. Uh, than than a Robbie Fowler, but he's nothing. I mean, sensational. Yeah, and 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 that that heading, Jan, is it, it, it's a real advantage to us because you know you'll have been as frustrated as, as I have on occasion when this wonderful group of footballers that we have, um, depending on who's in the lineup. Obviously, we all we know all about Trent's delivery and we know about Robbo's delivery, but. Occasionally, we do fall into that trap of, well, okay, we've isolated the boys in a good position and they pop over a delivery 
because it's the thing to do because Robbo's at full pelt or Trent's just moved in feeling he's going to dink a ball to the back post or whatever it happens to be. Or far more likely, um, the ball has recycled its way to the right-hand side and we're getting ready for Jordan to do one of Jordan's crosses that he does. Uh, so we put a lot of crosses into the box. Um, it's what I'm saying in a roundabout way. And I find that sometimes very frustrating because sometimes I think, well, that's not really playing to our strengths at all, is it? Uh, but now we have a target there because even if he isn't the biggest lad, now we know, by the way, don't get me wrong, Sadio can do wonderful things in the air for, for a comparatively diminutive chap. Um, it's got, not always got to do with height and it's got to do with ability to execute. But, but, but it is a real advantage to have somebody that we can aim at. Again, John is not a big fella, but you know, when you have got someone of that technical brilliance and you ally that to the fact that he has that rush like ability to arrive in the right place in the box, I mean, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah. I mean, we put all the crosses into the box because we play a percentage game, you know, and, Get the ball in the box gives you a chance of, of either scoring from a cross or we pick up second balls and that's why we do it. It isn't the strength of us in any way, shape or form, but it's, it creates and also because we're so good at getting people in the box, you know, often we've got three, four, five people in the box. So it always creates a certain amount of, 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 of chaos, which club likes. I mean, it's not chaos as, as we would think chaos is. It's kind of organized chaos, isn't it? Uh, but it works well for us. But yeah, shots is, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is amazing, isn't it? And I like it that when he scored that header against Cardiff, he wasn't surprised. You know, he was just going, yeah, well, you know, I got there just at the right time. The time was perfect. There was a, there was a bit of a pace on the cross already. I just had to guide it. I mean, that's a hell of a header, that, you know, it's a hell of a header. As he's headed that and he's going towards the bottom corner, I'm thinking, the keeper will get this. But no, it was out of his reach. <laughs> it was. Uh, and yeah, and beautifully executed. Yeah, and like, I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to be said there about the FA Cup, except for the fact that, um, you know, I'm mightily excited, I think for the first time ever, um, that, you know, we are, uh, we're still fighting on all fronts, Jan, and I think now with the additions, and hopefully, I mean, look, we get we get the squad looking almost completely fit. You know, you'd have to be a very optimistic man to think it's going to stay that way, given the the way that certain fellas have had runs uh, over the years. It, it it would seem a little bit naive to think it's just going to stay that way, just because we get it back to that point at some stage in the season. But the amount of footballers that are currently available to Jurgen, um, you know, and, and put that in in combination with the amount of trophies that we're still in. I'm, I'm excited on a level that I haven't been for a long time. And the reason is that, um, you know, we, we were a game away from a trophy at the end of this month and a couple of games away from another one now in a domestic cup, um, a few games away, obviously still, but, you know, looking good with the, ability to change the team up and the ability to spring things from the bench. And obviously we have the benchmarks of the two uh, major competitions and that both of them looking good. I mean, we've got this outstanding uh, um, opening part to the Champions League, the group phase where we were um, just outrageously good. Um, You know, you could not have predicted it was going to go that well. And just that little glimmer of hope now that we've been offered by 
the fact that should we win the game in hand that we have um, over Manchester City that we're six points behind with them to play. So it's all looking very, very tempting and exciting, Jan, in a way that it hasn't been yet. And it's not because we didn't have stuff to look forward to. Obviously, we did. But to have all of it to look forward to is just I'm a bit giddy. It's February and it's still all alive. Yeah, but it was because a lot of supporters have convinced themselves that it wasn't to be looked forward to. You know, people were worried about the players going off to the AFCON and the things that was going to happen. Uh, and you kind of think, well, let's just chill and let's see where, can, where, where they can all go. So here we are on the other side of the AFCON tournament. Uh, we're still in all the tournaments we, we, we want to be in. Uh, for the first time for a long, long time, we'll have almost every player available for the Leicester game. Uh, we've got a lot of games, but we've got a lot of winnable games uh, uh, coming up. So, we, you know, it's, it's that run up to the international break at the end of March, isn't it? And then when you come back early April, you know, then you then you need to be right in there, ready to go for everything. And I think we will be uh, with with everybody fit and raring to go. Whether we can get everybody up to absolutely maximum speed and playing at the top of the game, that's a different thing, isn't it? But with all the key men, I guess, will be there. And so, yeah, now it's going to be a wonderful uh, four months at the end of the season. I hope maybe um, at some point you might get a chance to nip down to. Um, the training ground and just, you know, have a word <laughs> with Naby and with Curtis and maybe with Jordan too about how to, you know, this most basic of things that you're taught as a kid to get your, <laughs> get your head over the ball and, uh, get your knee over the ball and make sure that, you know, you're hitting, you're not gonna, you're not leaning back and stuff like that because, uh, shooting, uh, has been quite erratic and it would be lovely, um, to start seeing some, uh, shots flying in from distance, I have to say. And I want to talk to you about the Leicester game. Obviously, it's the immediate focus of our attention. But just in the bigger picture, um, you talked about the winnable games that are coming up. And so we have an opportunity um, with only one game played in February, that win against Cardiff in the FA Cup on the weekend there. We have an opportunity to look forward to the month. And it, it ends on the 27th with... Uh, the game against Chelsea at Wembley. So there's a trophy opportunity. Um, but between now and then, we play Leicester, like you said. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, at home on Thursday night, this being recorded on Monday. The following Sunday, quickish turnaround, we have Burnley away at their place. Then we travel to Milan for the Inter game on the Wednesday after that Sunday. And then on the Saturday after that, Wednesday, we're at home to Norwich. And the Wednesday after that, Saturday, we're at home to Leeds. These are two Premier League games. And then the Arsenal game, which had been scheduled, is uh, postponed to a later date. Um, so, I mean, when you say, I mean, I'm, I'm looking there. So we play in the, in the Premier League, we play Leicester, Burnley, Leeds, Arsenal, uh, sorry, Norwich and Leeds. The Arsenal game haven't been postponed. Um, they're all, at this stage, you could, you have to say we need to win our games in the league if we're going to have an opportunity to win that trophy, um, and that's what we want to do. I understand when you say that they are winnable. I, I fully get that because there are teams that are below us in the league and therefore they should be. Everybody that this Liverpool squad comes up against. The Inter away is the only one where I find myself raising an eyebrow and wondering what would I take there because I asked, and this is the question I'm going to put to you, I asked um, my two guests on the Anfield Index podcast 
last week, I asked uh, Lisa Marie and I asked Cam, what would you take this month? What would represent a decent month for you? And this was before the Cardiff game. And um, for, I think, all of us, it was like, well, if one thing had to go, you'd probably just say, okay, well, if the FN Cup has to go, I want to win the trophy we're in. And um, it, if we had to take a draw away at Inter, I suppose that's not the worst thing once we were alive in the tie. But nobody was willing to compromise in the league games because everyone knows how tight it is and the fact that we can't afford to slip up. I mean, would you be in agreement there that that's what would represent a successful um, um, February is a trophy and those four wins and just to be in it for the second leg against Inter? Yeah, and I also think if you, if you look at the, the teams that we're playing, uh, I think of the four teams that would usually play, only Burnley will, will, will provide that type of opposition that we really hate playing against, you know, with, with, with a low defensive blocks. Uh, sometimes we struggle to get some. I think Leicester, Leicester not in good form uh, for whatever reason. There's no confidence in the camp. But I still think because of the players they have, they'll still come to Anfield and they still want to play. And as much as as, as he's done in, uh, Dean Smith and Norris are doing a good job. But also, they're the footballing team and they want to play and we know what Leeds are like. So I actually think three of the four games really suit us. The only other difficult game we're going to have, well, the other two games are actually going to be very difficult, Inter and Chelsea, because because they will also get 11 men behind the ball and try and make it difficult. But I think three of the four league games are pretty much the type of opposition we like. We can get them open, to, get, to open up, it'll be end-to-end games, and uh, our tempo will probably kill them, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, four Premier League wins. Uh, I wouldn't compromise on the game in, 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 in Milan. I think we're better than Inter. Uh, and because of that, I want us to go to to, to Milan and show that and, and I beat them I watched them Saturday night playing the local derby against AC Milan and you know again I think listen they'll be organised they'll be difficult to play against but once you get the game opened up I think the tempo will kill them so uh, but you know it's, it's wishful thinking isn't it we're probably not going to win every game are we but you know at the moment I've said this for a long time Trevor almost four years almost before every game we play I think we'll win yeah, and, and, and that's borne out by and in, inspired by uh, the constant high level of the performances. It's not it's not points, guys. These guys giving us something that we can actually hang on to and, and, and have faith in. And, you know, to look at the next Premier League game, which is at the weekend against um, Brendan Rodgers and Leicester, um, you know, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, they, their form... Their status has fallen off a cliff. They have 26 points from their 20 league games played. Um, obviously, that's two less than us. And even if you give them two wins for those, that brings them up only to 36 points, um, um, which is, you know, currently joint sixth spot. And obviously, they would have had ambitions um, to be much higher than that and, and, and that have had hopes to be much higher than that. But when we examine what they've done of late, I mean, uh, your words are, are, are proved very correct. They went out of the FA Cup to Nottingham Forest uh, yesterday. Their previous um, Premier League outings then uh, against uh, Brighton, they had a home draw, one each, um, at uh, against uh, Tottenham again at home for Leicester they lost 3-2 and then there was that run of time where they couldn't seem to play a game at all their game against Burnley was postponed their game against Everton was postponed 
they managed to get out in the FA Cup uh, before that and beat Watford only to go out, like I said yesterday. Uh, their game against Les- uh, Norwich was postponed, and you've got to go back to the 28th of December, annoyingly enough, um, for the last time they played, which was a 1-0 against guess who? That'd be us. Um, so, I mean, it's not even a mixed bag. They are in bad form. They're on a bad run. Um, the last lineup to go out against um, uh, Brighton in that uh, one-all draw was Casper Schmeichel. They had Justin and Thomas at left and right back. Uh, right and left back, sorry. Um, Amarty and Soyuncu. They had Tielemans and Dewsbury Hall. They had Lookman and Barnes. James Madison uh, behind Pats and Daka. And on the bench, you know, they have some... Um, depth there. Mark Albrighton was there. Danny Ward, Iosi Perez, Chowdhury was on there. Vestergaard, um, a kid called Daly Campbell. Sumare was on there. A kid called Casey McAteer and Lewis Brunt. Look, we all know about the loftiness of Brendan Rodgers' ambitions. Um, We all know that Leicester have had an opportunity to put a squad together. that they do try to play decent football and they have some very, very impressive footballers and obviously possibly their talisman is still out. When you say you, you've been less than impressed with them recently, obviously they've had a very stop-start kind of part of the season with all these postponements and stuff like that as well. Is it something more than that? Do you feel like that maybe the the, the, the there's something a little bit more uh, askew there or is it just that they are out of form and, and need a run of games and a run of results? So, uh, over the season, they've had a horrendous run of, of, of illness and injuries. We, we, we can't deny that. You know, as much as some people want to jump all over Brendan Rodgers, they've had a lot of injuries and a lot, a lot of problems. So, in many ways, fair enough, they are what they are, isn't it? Uh, but, but I think in many ways, the key to, to what they do, especially defensively, is Johnny Evans. You know, Johnny Evans does a really good job, but he's out, I believe, until April, isn't it? And until he comes back, I think they're going to struggle defensively. I made a point of watching the FA Cup game against Forest because they were due to play Liverpool on Thursday. And yes, you can get beat. Every time you play in a game of football, every time you play any kind of sports, whatever, you're nervous of getting beat. But I just thought it was the manner of which they got beat. You know, I'm looking at a... I'm looking at the team. I'm not suggesting they've lost faith in, in, in Brendan, uh, but it's just something that just doesn't look right. Uh, you know, do you, do you, do you run that extra meter? You know, that tackle, do you put everything into that tackle? Do you defend set pieces with your life? I don't know. I just, it just didn't seem right. Hey, it's never been one of them uh, clubs where you, you kind of worry about the situation because I believe. Brendan Rodgers is, is a decent manager, isn't it? But you have to be a little bit worried about them now. Also because of generally the amount of goals that they concede, uh, it, it, it must be a worry for them, isn't it? But, but there's still a handful. I mean, James Madison is probably playing as well as he played during his time at Leicester. The boy up front, Patson Dacca, I like him. He's got something uh, about him, isn't it? But I, I just... In their current uh, form, I, I can't have him given us too many problems that I feel on Thursday. You know, it's very interesting that you mentioned that game, the FA Cup game, because 
I immediately just assumed when I saw that result that he must have put out a weakened team. But, I mean, there's very little difference between the team that I just called out to you and the team that went out yesterday. I mean, it was across the back pretty much the same. Thomas and Justin, Amarty and Soyuncu. They had Ndidi and Tielemans in midfield and ahead of them, Harvey Barnes, James Madison and, and Luckman and Ian Acho, um instead of Daka. You know, it's not like they went out weak. Um, obviously, that the kid Dewsbury Hall is very, very good. We've seen him against Liverpool. He's a decent player. He was on the bench. And, you know, Iosi Perez and Chowdhury, we know they can do a job. Um, Pats and Daka came off the bench. Sumari was on there and Albrighton. Um, obviously, Casper Schmeichel was on the bench um, yeah, in, in the FA Cup game. But... I mean, it's not exactly it's not exactly a very very weak team, and yet they were three 0 down. Um, you know, pretty much I think after half an hour or so, unless I'm mistaken, um, and 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 I got it back to three one, only to go four one and lose four one. So that does speak, doesn't it, to something just being a bit awry there. Um, and when you say you don't see them maybe having enough uh, to, to to put it up to us. One thing that's going to factor in our favour, and I, I, you know, I want to, I want to get your take on this, is we are at home against Leicester, like we are against Norwich, against Leeds, uh, in the Premier League this month. Um, that's a real advantage. So the only away game we have is Burnley, uh, in the Premier League. It should be a real advantage. And yet I noticed yesterday something that kind of stuck in my craw a little bit against Cardiff. Which was well, okay, like it, let's lean into the stereotypes, the racial stereotypes, shall we? And we all know the Welsh like a sing up, uh, and all the rest of it. And tremendous voices is, would be another stereotype. So let's, let's roll them out while I'm at it. But man, they were louder, and I did not like the atmosphere in Anfield yesterday. I just didn't think, I didn't think it was what the occasion warranted or the performance. If I'm being honest. Um, I thought that lot were far louder and far more dominant. And what I was trying to get at in a roundabout way is we need to make this home advantage count in these games, right? Yeah, no, absolutely we do, Trev. And, and, and we were blessed in the days when, when, I, when I used to play because when the crowd turned up at an FA Cup tie at Anfield, they were up for it. It's a bit the same reaction we have these days for your Champions League game. You turn up for Champions League game, you're buzzing. The same in my day was for the FA Cup games because it was something different, something special. Uh, so I agree. Maybe it has something to do with the early kickoff on a Sunday. The fact that the first half was a bit lackluster, lack, lacked a bit of tempo, uh, and maybe we just struggled to get the, the, the fans going. But I, but, but I do agree <coughs> that we do. Uh, I mean, we'll certainly have a hell of an atmosphere when Leeds come to town on a on a Wednesday night. But we need a, we need a good atmosphere. We need to, to support the boys as much as we can. You know, we should just briefly touch on because we won't get a chance to talk to each other. Um, again, before the following Liverpool game, which is on the Sunday following Thursday. And obviously, we won't have a show in between uh, now and then. And we'll have two games to be speaking about when we come back next. And it is, as you mentioned before, against Burnley. And just again, for people to get a bit of a feel if they're just maybe not in the loop or not looking at stuff at the moment. Um, you're having a look at the Premier League table. And I'm sad to say that Daichi and his pals are right there at the bottom. 19 games played, 13 points accrued. And, you know, you don't need um, me to spell out that that would mean that the results aren't really going well for them. They crashed out in the third round of the FA Cup as well um, against uh, Burnley, or against Huddersfield, excuse me. Um, 3-1 defeat by 
by Leeds before that, 3-1 defeat by Man United before that, a couple of postponements, you go back, they had a 0-0 West Ham, they were beaten 1-0 by Newcastle, a 0-0 with Wolves, a 3-3 with Palace, and then you've got to go all the way back to November for the last creditable result that they had really, which was a one-all draw with Chelsea, and previous to that they actually managed to beat Brentford 3-1. Just for the sake of speaking briefly about that game, that is one of those ones. Yes, we are away. And yes, we know that any Premier League team on stake can do a real number on anyone else. Um, but it's one of those ones we'll have to just hope that our quality and our big guns come through um, because we can't be going getting beaten away from home or not by the team that's propping the league up. No, we can't. And, and, and again, it's the same thing when we talked about Inter before. We, we are obviously much better uh, than Burnley. I watched Burnley's game on, on Saturday against Watford. I wish I hadn't. It was a terrible game, but you kind of want to have a little look at that relegation battle and see where the teams are at. Uh, Burnley, they'll be very much a 4-4-2 uh, with, a, with a relatively new front pair that, that a lot of Liverpool fans wouldn't have seen a lot of, uh, uh, which is Maxwell Corner, who's their top scorer, and, and the Dutch boy, they bought from Wolfsburg, Valt Weghorst, uh, I think looking at those two, it's going to be a bit of time before they click. Uh, against Watford, they really struggled to, to create any chances. Dwight McNeil, uh, who's sort of been their shining light over the last 18 months or so, mm. uh, that, that just looks a little bit like... It just looks, Trevor, like the whole place has lost a bit of enthusiasm for it and all. You know, It's the same players every year. There's been very little in, investment into the, into the club. You know, they, they, they play the same way. It's very, very predictable, isn't it? And I think it's affected some of the players. You know, you look at the centre-halves, you can go me and Tarkovsky. You can normally set your clock by those two. They'll defend well. And I know they've had two back-to-back clean season as Arsenal and, and, and Watford, isn't it? But even those two guys at times look a bit ropey and Pope maybe doesn't look as secure as he used to be. And so it just looks like a place who's just, I don't know, just lost a little bit of enthusiasm for it all. So it'll be difficult in many ways because of what they bring, isn't it? But Again, that first goal against Burnley will, will, will be, be the most important thing. The, the quicker we can get that, uh, the more open that game's going to be. I think if we were, and we've spoken about this before, I think it was if it was Manchester City going there on Saturday, um, you'd just imagine Burnley just roll over. But we still have that thing where teams don't just quite do that for us yet. We've spoken about this at length before. So, obviously, after this season, when we've won four trophies, we can look forward to going to Burnley next year if they're still in the league uh, and everywhere else, and they'll already be beaten. Uh, that is at least the fantasy version of the future that I'm dreaming up in my head. And Before we go, as usual, I better just get from you how you think both of those games are going to go. So, we'll start off with the one that's coming up first like on Thursday night against Leicester. How do you see that one panning out at Anfield? I just, I just think they, 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 they've got a weak underbelly at the moment, uh, Leicester. I think they're too easy to play against. I think they're too easy to stress. Uh, and I said, in fairness, I said exactly the same, uh, when we played down at the King Bow and, and somehow we managed to lose that game one. I no idea how, but we did. Uh, but I think this will be different. I also think there'll be a certain amount of excitement because, you know, Mo Salah's back and Sadio Mane is back and whatever. So I think we'll beat Leicester for now. Wow, <laughs> you just threw that in at the end. I like it. And at uh, Turf Moor on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff. 
uh, and another one I can see this and covered by the TV at the moment. Um, that's my own personal nightmare ahead. Um, but against Burnley, how do you see that one going? I think it's possibly against Burnley, you might have to work a little bit harder for your goals. Uh, it's, it's not going to be as pretty straightforward as uh, as, as the Leicester game, I think. And they, they're also fighting for their lives, aren't they? But I think we'll beat Burnley too now. Well, I will take both of those. Um, I'll tell you that much for nothing, and I'm sure all our listeners would as well. Jan, it's been another um, uh, sort of topic-filled show, and um, we've been all around the houses. So, as ever, thanks very much for that, my friend. Uh, no problems, and welcome to all our new listeners. Absolutely, folks. You are very welcome. Hopefully, hopefully there's lots of new people wrapping their ears around the show. Um, do, like I say, spread the word to your pals. Let them know that um, myself and Jan are here every week um, to keep them entertained and hopefully uh, we'll grow the uh, listenership quite considerably and maybe the channel as a result that would be nice if it happened um i have been trev denny you heard jan malby guy drinkle was producing we'll be back with you again to talk about how leicester city game went and the burnley game went and we'll be looking ahead to inter and norwich that's what we do on this show so do please join us for us next time and um you know i'm going to say to you until we speak to you again be kind to your fellow reds and stay safe out there We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.